Good morning, everyone. Welcome. So glad to see your beautiful faces. I want to again welcome everyone and to announce that today we will have a special speaker, and her and it's uh, Pastor Kathy Lofton and her husband uh, Travis are here. And I got a very brief little summary of, of uh, Pastor Kathy before the service. I don't know much about Travis, so I can't talk about you very much. <laughs> but I, I wanted to give a little bit of an update, a little bit of information. Uh, Kathy uh, is from Oklahoma, Ida, Oklahoma, was born and raised in Ida, Oklahoma. And um, she taught there in elementary school for about 13 years. And they have two children. It sounds like a boy and a girl. Son stayed in Ida, uh, Oklahoma. But her daughter has recently taken a job in Phoenix. So she's going to have a daughter in Phoenix. And it sounds to me like um, a few years ago, she made a turn in her life and quit teaching and um, attended Fuller. Uh, seminary up in Phoenix, so she began to um, began to spend time in Phoenix. Um, she was ordained in October of this year. Took a job with the Covenant Church in Ida um, as an associate pastor, and then they came out to Phoenix for their winter uh, time. So they're up in Phoenix. Um, spending winter out of out of uh, Ida, Oklahoma, and encouraging their daughter up there and getting her settled, and um, dropped off a friend of theirs from the church, <laughs> whom we welcome this morning. Is it Dina? Dina has come from I Ida, Oklahoma, dropped her off here in Tucson, and they went on up to Phoenix to uh, uh, spend their winter time there and encourage their daughter there. And then you, um, uh, let me see if I get names right. Phyllis? Yes. Phyllis lives here in uh, Tucson. So, so we have Phyllis, we have Dina as visitors, and looks like we have other visitors back there, which we are glad to have so welcome to you as well did you come in relationship to um ernie and ann oh good all right well gosh well praise the lord um that's oh we are so delighted to have you and from indiana everybody's coming here for our sunshine huh good good we welcome you we welcome you God is good and gracious and merciful and powerful and uh, overcoming. So um, I'm going to pray for us as we open. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you that you are gracious and you are the great comforter. And so we ask you to be that comforter, especially in all these uh, lives, but especially we're going to ask that for the Curtis family today, that you enter into Bill's room in a precious and a powerful way and bring both healing and comfort to him there. And for Cheryl, that you give her courage to go through this time and strength to go through this time and uh, and and mercy and comfort there. We thank you uh, for our visitors today. And we thank you for this precious day. We take it in hand, and we bring this service before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good morning. 
happy Valentine's Day to y'all. May you experience the love of Christ in a powerful way. A joyful life. Rejoice in the Lord always. When our hearts are surrendered totally to the will of God, we delight in seeing him use us in any way he pleases. Our plans and our desires to begin to agree with his, and we accept his direction in our lives. Our sense of joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment in life increases no matter what the circumstances, if we are in the center of God's will. The Christian life is a joyful life. Christianity was never meant to be something to make people miserable. The ministry of Jesus Christ was one of joy. The Bible teaches that the life inward peace and outward victory is our Christ birthright. What a witness to the world Christians would be if they were only more evidently very happy people. Joy is one of the marks of the true believer. Will others see the joy of Christ in your life today? Moses' shining face was evidence of his time with God. Peter and John's courage let people know that they had been with Jesus. Would people know that you are a Christ follower by your fruit? Call 
Testament scripture today comes from 2 Kings 2, verses 1 through 12. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came from Elijah and asked them, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elijah answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah and Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord was going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, and the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance. And Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his croak together and stuck it in the water. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came on to the other side, and Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you because before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elijah tore his clothes in distress. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And join us in singing. 
Amazing Grace. send us reveal the light, light of your gospel. gospel. And this reading now will be from Luke 9 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world, but lose or forfeit themselves? Father in heaven, as we go to your word, we ask for ears to hear and hearts to heed and obey what we hear. And we commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus and thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to be with you this morning. Good morning. Thank you. Um, you're very brave letting someone come up here that you've never heard speak before. <laughs> I told Tom you were very brave, but it is good to be with you. I have to tell you, when we, Travis and I pulled up in the parking lot this morning, we got a call. And it was a call from Ardmore, Oklahoma, which is about an hour from where we live. And I thought, well, it couldn't be a telemarketer on a Sunday morning, surely. So I picked it up. It was Scotty Pettis, our brother who's been in prison for 27 and a half years. We met him several years ago when we were doing prison ministry. And I call Scotty the Paul, Apostle Paul, of, of the prison. And so he has prayed over us this morning. He prayed over this congregation, and he prayed over uh, this service today. So uh, I just, that start, that just blessed our day. Just, just gave us a start. So you, if you think of it, just whisper a prayer for Scotty, because he's, he's starting new again. He's starting his life new. Well, there is something unforgettable and life-changing about mountaintop experiences. And man, do you guys have a view right here. We've, we've hiked some of your mountains, and the, the view from the top is just amazing. But we have those mountaintop experiences in our lives uh, that are just unforgettable. Perhaps some of you remember your wedding day. And you remember that beautiful bride as she came, and you remember that groom as he stood there waiting for you. Uh, those, that memory lives on in us, even when we get married at the Dallas County Courthouse, right, honey? Um, and that moment when they put that newborn baby, you first laid eyes on that newborn baby placed them in your arms. Maybe it was your old child or the grandchild. We were reminded yesterday that one of the preachers at a church we went to in Phoenix, he said, well, the thing about grandkids is that it turns a perfectly sensible woman into a grandmother. So those of you that are grandmothers understand that those experiences, the mountaintop of the experience of graduating, the graduation day, do you remember that day? whether it be from high school or, or, or college or seminary, um, the day of your baptism, the day of your salvation that we, we hold on to. We still hold on to those things. The most recent thing for me was my ordination last October. The, it was the culmination of a five-year climb of seminary, writing, research, struggling, through the challenges and finding victories along the way. Um, so in this scripture today, 
I'm going to share from the ninth chapter of Luke, we're given a glimpse of a mountaintop experience. Um, now, the ninth chapter of Luke is just chock full of, of wonderful things. Um, it's kind of the center of Luke's gospel. We've been walking with Jesus in my Sunday school class. We've been studying Luke, and we've been walking with Jesus from the birth from the Annunciation to Mary. And then we've uh, learned about John the Baptist. And we've, Jesus has started his ministry. And he's walking with his disciples. And he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he's healing people. And he's casting out demons. He's even raising the dead. But in chapter 9, he sends his disciples out. He gives them authority over, over diseases and over demons. And he, then he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And in this point in his ministry, he foretells. He foretells that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to raise, be raised from the dead. And, of course, they don't understand at this point. And right after that, he goes aside with his disciples to pray. And he turns to them and and he says, well, who do the people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah. And, and some say you're one of the great prophets. And, but he said, who do, you, who do you say I am? And Peter said, oh, you're, you're the Messiah of God. And then we're given that royal invitation that was read this morning from, from this ninth chapter, where Jesus invites the disciples to follow him, to deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow them. And he said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. And that's our invitation, to follow Christ. Before we read the scripture, let's pray. Oh, Lord, we pray that your light would pour over these pages and illumine these old, ancient words, that they would dance with newness in our hearts and our minds, that we would be radiant in reflecting your word in our living and serving one another. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. So I'm going to read from Luke 9, verses 28 through 36. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him, just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, O oh, Master, 
It is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my Son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. And in those days told no one any of the things which they had seen. Word of the Lord. These disciples have accepted the call. They have left everything to follow Christ, and they're being led by Jesus up this mountain. Luke tells us that Jesus is going to pray, and maybe the disciples are going to get a little sleep, a little nap. They do that sometimes. It's been a busy week for them. It's been a busy journey. But Luke tells us that suddenly Jesus is transformed in appearance before them. He takes on his heavenly glory, and his face and clothing start to shine. Now, when this gospel letter back in the first century, when it was being circulated and read among the people, those Jewish listeners, of, when they heard this story, they would probably recall Moses' face on the mountain as he, as as the glory of the Lord descends on the mountain. And you know, when he met with God on the mountain, it said that when he came down, his face was glowing and that the people were afraid to come near him. They knew from his transformation that he had been in the presence of Almighty God. And here on this mountain, Jesus not only participates in, but he displays God's own glory. This transformation reveals the divine presence and power of God in Christ. And then Moses and Elijah appear. Now we know that Moses and Elijah were both champions of Old Testament law. Both had encountered God on the mountain and had stood firm against oppressive rulers of their day. They spoke both for God without apology and hesitation, and they aligned their lives with his will. And in their appearance, we see them here in the scripture as inhabitants of a heavenly realm. Uh, it offers a glimpse into our future that's awaiting all righteous believers who will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And there are connections here. There's connections to the past, those who have gone before. Because, church, we have a given a, we've been given a legacy of faith from those who have come before us. There is a connection to this present moment here on this mountain. These disciples 
are being invited to witness the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And they're going to need this moment in the days ahead because they're going to journey down the mountain in a few days, in a little bit. And as soon as they get to the bottom of that mountain, there's going to be a health crisis that they're going to have to face, just like we're facing today. And they're going to need that connection to this glory. And there's also a connection to the future here. You see, I think there's a connection to us here. We who have been invited in this invitation to participate in the kingdom by following Christ. Have you chosen to follow Christ? Maybe the invitation to lose our life in order to find our life is where <clears throat> we lose ourselves to something greater. Surrendering our will, our desires, to God's will and God's desires. Taking on a new identity, aligning our lives with Christ. Discovering who we were born to be. Giving up, opening our hands and just giving up what we can't possibly cling to to receive the gift that we could never lose. So here on this mountain, <laughs> Peter, don't you love Peter? Doesn't he remind you of yourself sometimes? Peter, he doesn't want this moment to end. Let's just stay here. Let's build some dwellings, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you, Christ. And he, wants, he just wants it to go on and on. But God settles it for him. God settles the issue of the importance of this moment as that cloud descends and God speaks. This is my son, my chosen my beloved, listen to him. This divine appeal right here on this mountain, it authenticates everything that Jesus has said and done up to this point in Luke's gospel. And everything that he says must happen. The life of Christ reveals the will of God for the people of God. Mountaintop moments are good. We need them. There's moments when you're in your quiet time and it's just you and God and you can just feel, you can just almost feel like you could touch, touch him. Or when we're gathered here for worship and you know that you're in the presence of the divine. He's here with us when two or more are gathered in his name. He is here. So we're, this is kind of a mountaintop experience right, right here. Or when we are invited to the table to partake of the elements that represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Those are mountaintop moments. But the reality is that not every moment is a mountain top moment. 
This is not the only mountain that Jesus will ascend in Luke's gospel, is it? He's going to be ascending the Mount of Olives. And he's going to be praying. And he's going to be sweating drops of blood on our behalf. He's going to, um, he's going to surrender as we must to the will of God if we're going to live in the fullness of God's plan for our life. You see, he's going to climb the Mount of Olives in a few days, and he's going to give his life so that we can find life in his life. You see, the glory of God will also be revealed on a cross. And I don't know about you, but I need that mountain where the cross because when that child, you know, that child, that, mo that, that mountaintop moment when you held that child for the first time, we see that child's going to go through some things. And when that child that I once held is fighting for her life with an illness or perhaps an addiction when she grows up, I need to know that Jesus bore her infirmities and her sicknesses and her sins on the cross, and I can go to him. I can go to the cross on her behalf and plead over her. I, when that marriage, when that marriage that was once so beautiful and full of hope is shattered and broken, we need to know that we can cry out to Jesus in our desperation and find hope for healing and rec reconciliation, and restoration. And when I'm standing over that casket, when we're standing over the casket of a loved one, I need to know that he is the resurrection and the life, and that's not the end of it. And when that degree or that title or that job experience doesn't keep me from seeing my inadequacy or help me when I've failed, I need to know that Jesus is the strength in my weakness. And in the midst of a pandemic, we need a Christ who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death where this virus, praise God, doesn't have the last word. Not all divine encounters happen on a mountain. We have opportunities for divine encounters in the process of our messy, ordinary, beautiful, everyday lives. Jesus, on this mountain of transfiguration, you know, the disciples, it tells us in other gospels, they just fall to their face. They are, they're just, they're just scared out of their mind. And Jesus walks over and he raises them up. And it's just them and him. Just them and him. And now they must descend the mountain and accompany Jesus to Jerusalem. Verse 51 of that chapter says, Jesus set his face, that face that was glowing on the mountain, 
as he comes down, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. It begins Lent. During this season of Lent, as we journey with Christ to Jerusalem, we're invited to take up our cross and follow him. As we journey, we receive and we need glimpses of God's glory in Christ as we gather to worship, as we confess our sins and we repent, as we hear his word and partake of that life-giving and sustaining body and blood of Christ. And we discover that there is kingdom work yet to do because everything is not as it should be. And as the church, we're invited. We're invited to join Christ on this journey in his work towards God's kingdom, working for justice, pushing against those oppressive earthly systems and structures that hold back God's plan for flourishing and redemption of all creation that we talked about in it this morning. We have the opportunity to share the love and light and hope because all people matter to Jesus. You matter to Jesus. So our challenge today is to accept this invitation, this royal invitation to follow Christ. And I challenge you as a church to look for and discover where Jesus is at work in this community. He's already at work there. And join him. And I know that he will guide. We do not live as those who have no hope. We have this promise. I will be with you even to the end of the age. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Jesus, we ask you to come and take us to the home you prepared for us. But help us, Lord, to let go of the things that get in the way and to take upon us the cross of obedience and understanding. And we know that if we ask anything according to your word, you hear us. And if we know you hear us, we know that you'll grant what we've asked. So we ask as at the end of the Psalm 139, that you search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And we thank you, we praise you, and we call you our King, in Jesus' name. Amen. God be with you till you meet. 